Hello, how you doing? I'm Craig Parkinson. You are listening to the Two Shot Podcast. Sit yourself down, pop the kettle on. We're going to have a nice old chat. Who's it with this week? I'm going to tell you right now. How the devil are you? It's Thursday. I am staring out of a window. I'm here in Manchester. It's a beautiful, crisp, sunny day. And we're recording the intro for episode 106. And it's with the beautiful, and I mean that in every sense of the word, the beautiful Sophie Thompson. You're going to enjoy this. But first, a few things to say. Um, What an episode last week, 105 with Joe Trasini. Um... The response from you all has been overwhelming. And we've had so many direct messages and emails and open messages about his episode and how honest and and brave he was to talk so eloquently about his condition, about what he'd been through. I don't think he himself would put himself down uh, as being brave. I know that we as listeners certainly think that he doesn't think that. Um, But I can't thank him enough and I can't thank you enough for listening. I know a lot of people were saying, oh, Craig, I've listened to half of it and I'm just going to give myself a little breather. And that's fine that you do whatever it takes. If you haven't listened to it yet, um, don't feel the need to if you're not in a good place. But if, if you have, and also I've tried to respond to everybody and there's a few people I haven't, so do forgive me and I will uh, drop you an email back or a message, you know, purely to say thank you. Um, what else? There's a couple of other things. First off, March the 29th, 2020. Get it in your diaries. We are really honoured. We've been asked to take the podcast to the Birmingham Podcast Festival along with our good friends Standard Issue, who else is there? I think Richard Herring is there. Films to be buried with Brett Goldstein is there. Um, and I'm going to be there a lot of the weekend. I'm going to try and see as much as I can. And we would love you to come. We are there Sunday, the 29th. I think it's a 7 or 8 o'clock start. We are the last podcast of the festival. We're really chuffed to be there. And I'm just really thinking of a fantastic guest to see us through on Sunday night, so uh, I'd get your tickets in quick because if it's if I get who I'm thinking of, then uh, you're going to be in for a real treat. So Sunday, 29th, 2020, come see us, Birmingham. Also, I want to say a thank you to the lads at Pod Bible because we have been nominated in a very lovely category of best film and TV podcast for 2019. You can go to podbiblemag.com and vote for us there. Voting closes on December 31st, 2019. And if you don't already follow Pod Bible, then do that at Pod Bible. And it's a great little magazine, what they've done. They just talk about podcasters and podcasting. And they'll open your ears to more new podcasts because that's what you need in your life, isn't it? Like there isn't enough already. Is there anything else I need to tell you? I don't think there is. Well, whoa, actually, I will tell you that this week, myself and Griff have been in Manchester and we have recorded some 
incredible episodes coming your way. Um, and I, I'm going to tell you now because they're done and I've recorded them. So the incredible actress I was telling you about, you know, you, you must see it on Twitter sometimes. People go, oh, Craig, what about this person? What about this person? And there's always a name that's been coming up for, for the two years. She always pops up regularly. And it's the wonderful Siobhan Finneran. And you'll know her playing Sarah Lancashire's sister from Happy Valley recently. Um, she was in Downton Abbey. She's done all sorts of stuff. But, you know, it's Two Shot Podcast. We don't talk about that. We talk about the human. And we had almost or two hours with Siobhan. It's a brilliant, brilliant conversation. Um, yesterday, I sat down and cooked for an amazing chef, which I've never done that before in my life. You know, what do they say? Always do something every day that scares you. Well, cooking for a very tough, well-established chef, that scared me. Um, you can find out whether Gary Usher liked my food and his life in the coming weeks. Um, and that's just two. It's just a little taster for you. There's many more to come. Um, and speaking of many more to come, we better get down to it. This is episode 106 with the incredible, beautiful, warm... This is going to make your day sonnier. It's Sophie Thompson. Enjoy, and I'll see you at the end. Um, so I told you that you have full editorial control. We talk about anything. Quite nervous. Don't be need to be nervous about anything. Do people get nervous? Yes, everybody gets nervous. Do they? Yeah, and everybody gets nervous after. And everybody gets nervous before it goes out. But they've all listened to it, so it's fine. So you'll listen to it before anybody else. And then take, could you cut that bit out where I'm a twat? <laughs> Or oh, I called that person an absolute cunt. Then, yeah. <laughs> that they work with. Oh, yes. Um, <laughs> Health and safety. Health and safety. Um, Griff's going to be here for the first part, then he's just got to go next door and have a meeting about something else. But he'll take a couple of photos right. and do a little video. It's just for the social media. I but he'll be very. Um, I don't do any social media, so I shan't see it anyway. It's fine, but just to let you know, anyway. Um, it's more hot water there. Thanks, honey. darling. Great. Thanks for doing this. Thank you for having me. I feel, you know, what? I feel a bit honoured. Well, I feel honoured that you sat here. I like, I just like new people coming in. Oh. And I'm just always really grateful when people say yes. What made you begin it? Um. Lack of control over my career, I think, and the need to be creative, and that I'm really curious about people. And I just thought, well, I always learn off other people, like all the time, and that mm. never that never really stops. Mm. And I thought, well, if I can distill this with not having to work and do something that I don't want to do, just to be mm. curious and creative, and I can do this and I can take complete control of what I do, mm. then I should probably take advantage of it and mm. get, you know, you hit 40 and you go, oh... I want to learn more things. So yes. I wanted to learn communication. <laughs> I don't know, not, not just communication. Yeah. But because I'm endlessly fascinated and yeah. curious and I want to learn, I just thought, well, you know, as actors, 
you're thrust into these situations and relationships super quick, aren't you? Yeah. Whether you, it's like your first day of rehearsals for anything or yeah. your first day on set and you've, maybe you've got to do a really intimate scene with somebody who you've yeah. just shaken hands to and said hello and you don't know them. Yeah. So you've got to learn to... And I just thought, well, I'd like to do that in the podcast form. Amazing. Does that make sense? I think so. <laughs> did I explain myself at all? <laughs> Yeah, no, you did, you did, you did. <laughs> that makes sense. I was thinking about it's funny before you came downstairs because I was thinking about you and I was thinking about how I always perceive you as to be very... You've got a lovely, warm, open voice. Oh. And a warm, open personality, I think. And if the shoe was on the other foot and you were talking to me, I'd probably just tell you everything about my life <laughs> and, I, and I don't think anybody's Ooh, ready I don't think anybody's ready for that right now I'm certainly not and, it, and it's funny because over there in the corners you can see because it's half term I've got my little eight-year-old with me today yeah. and as soon as you came down the stairs he saw you and want, wanted a big hug off you so oh. I thought oh no I was right in thinking that because that's the type of thing that Sophie Thompson brings to the room that people just want to give her a hug. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. I felt honoured. Well, I'm really thrilled. How are you? I'm very well, thank you, Craig. I'm happy to be in this strange <coughs> Soho basement with the red walls talking to you with your jumper practically matching your eyes. <laughs> <laughs> It's a compliment off. That's really nice. <laughs> Looking incredibly well. So clearly the juicing. I'm trying. Is... I'm making a concerted effort. Really? Mm. I think you're after though, don't you? Did you feel Don't don't even think about turning the tables on me, Thompson. Oh. That is not gonna happen. I'll shut that shit right down. <laughs> Dermot O'Leary tried that. And he doesn't get away with it, and neither will you. Well, I just literally, <laughs> I literally took a photo that made me laugh, and it sort of, it, it does connect with what you're saying, Go what on. you told me about your juicing. This doesn't particularly work on podcast form, but I'm, no, I'll I'm see telling what, you what it says. We'll I'm going to check. We can relate. I've come to Soho to detox. Said nobody ever. It was outside the pub. <laughs> but that's true, because that's where we are now. Yeah, and yeah. I sent it to a friend of mine who's going to do this juicy thing mm. it, 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 on the 1st to the 8th or something, but they're going somewhere to do it and they get all massaged and drink juice. Oh, you see, I kind of like that. I, mean, <sighs> I haven't got no time for a massage at the moment. No. But that's the next thing on my list. Is it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I need a bit of that. Yeah. So you're good and busy. <laughs> I'm, I'm making myself busy by talking to people like you before I go back north next week. All right, it's all right. But are you well within yourself? Are you good? Yes, I think I am. Um, Why do you say you think you are? No, I, I am, Craig, I am. My mum is... That whole situation feels quite vulnerable making at the mo because she's amazing mm. but she's 87 yeah and she's got parkinson's right. which makes her sort of a bit 97 in a way but not in her heart and mind mm. well, what does that mean i mean what i mean is it's not robbing her spirit as such and her heart but it's it's just hard to see your mum so vulnerable mm. 
<clears throat> she said, taking a sip of her green tea. You take a sip of your green tea when you want. Oh, so, um, that's... That's a big bit in my life at the moment. Yeah. But at the same time, it's also very it's inspiring, it's very life-affirming to see somebody and feel somebody do old age quite so brilliantly and quite so um, bravely. So that is affirming, definitely. Mm. So I'm trying to focus on that bit. It's funny because when you are a mum and you're a dad, so that's the same thing, except they don't come out of your vag because you don't have one. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) But when you're a parent, let's let's keep away from the bits. Um, You know, I've got big children now. They're like... They're like men. Yeah. And um, teenagers now. It, well, n- more. more. One of them's a teenager and one of them's 22. Right. So you, you've just done this amazing thing, parenting thing, and it's so Shakespearean, isn't it? So seven ages of man I'm in at the moment, looking yeah. one way and looking the other. Yeah. And going, oh, golly, yeah. Um, and mum's needs becoming so much greater and taking the world to her. And, and my boy's kind of doing the opposite. Um, which is fabulous and exactly what you know, should, should be, be happening. Yeah, so that's amazing because, you know, I'm just like, also on the one hand, I'm like, well, hey, look at them fly. And and on the other hand, I'm, you know, watching my amazing mum quietly, <sighs> I was going to say folding her wings away, but that's not right. That sounds too negative. Just sort of, um, anyway, having to endure your body not doing what you need it to do Mm. really anymore. Yeah. So... Well, I think it's right. I actually understand then why you said, yeah, I think so. I think I'm all right. Mm. Because it's really important to stop and have a think. Because sometimes so many people go, you're right, yeah, no, absolutely fine. But, Mm. well, have a think if you are. Really? Yeah. Because sometimes it's all right to go, no, I'm not, actually. No, things aren't going to plan, but I'm really thinking about these things and I'm going to try and make a concerted effort to uh, take control a bit more. Yes. Yes. I think that's important. Well, in a world that is often very glittery, as it were, in the smoke and mirrors. Yeah. You sometimes can feel people can. I think people are getting better at piping up, actually, about the darker sides of their experiences. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I know we we met mm. on a in a rather wonderful but cafe. Odd, but, but odd, odd situation. Oh, it's an odd, odd situation scenario. when you're pretending and we're in a cab looking out on the mud flats of Western Supermare. Yeah. You know, and we know each other as dodgy turns mm. of. But, and then you have a, a little, we're all sitting about like you do a lot when you're filming, don't mm. you? And, and we're doing a very jolly, silly thing, aren't we? Which yeah. is all I can manage at the moment. Yeah. All I can watch. You know, I don't want to watch all this darkness. I don't want to watch programmes about children being 
I don't want to go, you know. It's really hard to let that in your life. You just sometimes you have to block all that out. And just go, do you know what? Let's just focus on the light. (laughs) What do I need right now? And sometimes you don't need anything. Yes. Well, so meeting there was why I'm here. Yeah. And those are the lovely moments where we had a little connection, didn't we, on just personal circumstances mm, yeah. and emotional landscapes. Yeah. Which, as you say, the currency of our work is sometimes very quick. So though we'd barely spoken before, we weren't just dealing in pennies. Or we were exactly, dealing in paper, exactly. paper money. It was, <laughs> it was um, <clears throat> I mean, look, frivolous chat is absolutely fine and sometimes that's all you can muster because of the sit- the situation that you're in and also the people and that's just the way it is that's where this level of conversation is but as soon as we met it just automatically went oh oh right okay <laughs> oh we've done this and it wasn't i didn't even think that it was um orchestrated by one or the other. It was kind of like we both sort of came together. At the same time. <laughs> and things like that very rarely happen. Yeah. And we that's did. why I thought, oh, no, I think Sophie would be really perfect to come and talk to me because I'm, if I feel at ease with somebody to talk, then I go, oh, well, this will be perfect. But here's the thing about this, of what I do on this podcast. So many times, case in point this morning, I've never met somebody until they come down the stairs it's almost like stars in their eyes. They've come through, they've come through the <laughs> and door. I'm coming as <laughs> I never met them before. What if? What if it's going to be a a deeply stilted conversation that's not going to flow? I don't know what's going to happen. But that, to me, while I was talking before at the start, where you're asking me about this, that's my curiosity, and that's what I'm trying to learn to be good at is to manage and navigate this conversation and not make it uh, crude in any way Mm. and make it honest and real. Do you know what I mean? Mm. And that's what um, I really love. How do you ask... Well, how do you get all your peeps, if you know what I mean? Like the one you said you didn't know, then how did that happen? Did you just think, oh, I want to talk to them? A lot of it, a lot of it, um, happens via social media. I wouldn't be, and it was the only reason I joined social media was to do this because now we've built up a really nice following. Excuse me. Oh, I will. The, all the, the oh, juice and the, the water I've yeah. been having. Thank God I'm not having your chocolate gingers. <laughs> I'll be all over the shop. <laughs> but, and then luckily, um, I approach people majority of the time they say yes and they want to come on and they don't have an agenda. They don't have a film to sell or a television. So Tucker's don't really care about that. I'm no. Not, that doesn't really interest me. No. And also, if it's acts, because sometimes it's not actors on, it's sometimes musicians and all that, but that's why I'm excited. I'm excited about the writing process of a musician because it's outside of my comfort zone. I don't I don't know any of that. I mean, I'm starting to know more and more. Yes. Because the more musicians I speak to, but I still find it fascinating. Right, Yeah. Whereas, you know, what it's like with actors, the it, job doesn't really finish until they've been doing all the press and talking about it, and they've, they've bored of that. Oh. Bored of it. And it's so... I find that part of what we do so awkward. 
why do you find it? I mean, I, I still do. I've used. I find it less awkward than what I used to. But yeah, me too. I've I've tried to be better. Do you think it comes from practice? <sighs> yes, I think so. I think it probably does, and just learning what. Because I don't, you don't, you don't want, I never would want to talk about, they always want, seem to want to know something about you, whereas that's not what we, it's not about us, that's the thing that gets exactly. all muddled. Yeah. So you go, oh, you know, they say, oh, you must do a little, it says, doesn't it, sometimes, oh, you've got to agree to go and do a little bit of this press, and you go, okay. And you'd feel churlish if you didn't, because you want to fly the and go, yeah, do roll up and buy a ticket, you know, or Especially if it's something in. that you believe in and you've yeah. worked really hard at. You, you, of course you want people to watch. That's what it's for. Yeah. But, um... I suppose it's learning how much... how much or how little to give away of you personally mm. and... Nine times out of ten, I think you shouldn't do mm. any of that <laughs> in that scenario. Yes. Because it's, it's what you said before. Well, it's not about you. No. It's about that thing. Yes. And there's a lot of other factors in that that have come to getting that to the screen or to the stage or whatever it is. Yes. So maybe that's it. I think people are so intrigued because it's such a sort of nebulous area. It's such an intangible thing to be do isn't mm. it i mean it's that never ceases to fascinate me um how intangible it is now when something you feel something sort of gone all right in a maybe just a, a one take or a one show you think oh that kind of worked and then the next minute another bit bites the dust and you, you know you think wow oh, why didn't that work and you're constantly learning aren't you on, yeah. you know on the job yeah. <laughs> yeah. um which is great <laughs> you know you want that in life like i say to my boys every day's a school day and hopefully you're going to feel that and if you're spared until mm. you're ancient mm. um if you're lucky if you're lucky yeah, yeah. like say my mum or something um who just has that inquisitive and open nature um and that's such a beautiful thing to behold. But, um, but yeah, it's such a mysterious thing that we do that I think, you know, people... I suppose it's like seeing behind the scenes, isn't it? They want to see behind the scenes of you. Yeah. Um, and that's, you know, that's a big no-no for me. Um, so I spent years tying myself in knots, you know... Being, being wanting oh, to be God. completely private. Yeah. Just thinking, because, you know, I'm sure you've heard this loads of times too, Craig, but people tend to, lots of people, or well, some people tend to think that it's all about showing off and being up there and being looked at and, and all of that. And, of mm. course, a lot of the time, I think... It's really not about that at all. And a lot of really good actors are so 
or performers and are actually deeply um, uncomfortable (laughs) in real life. And, um, you know, and then they can walk out in ridiculously uh, big spaces and give out something. And, you know, I always feel rather pretentious when I talk about it because it you always bump into something or at least I do in my head that I think oh god that sounds so wanky you know <laughs> but that's um, a constant judgment isn't it I yeah. mean like, you, you, you're certainly not alone with that I know no. one particular person who really wanted to shut out any fame when she got to a particular high level because it was like well I can't really go to the supermarket and that's all I kind of want to do at the moment I need to go and get some food and it's it was crushing for her to do that because the two actually don't go hand in hand. And then there's other people going, well, actually, the two go hand in hand. If you're doing that and you're asking uh, to be looked at all the time or you're on the telly or on doing these films, then we should have the right to, you know, take all these photographs um, in a restaurant or... um, It's it's not fair. It's weird, And that's very hard to filter. Yeah, filter, that's a good word. To filter the... It's very hard to filter on one hand, but also on the other hand, it's actually really useful. There's a part of it that's quite a useful filter to to find the authentic in people and what they're responding to, you know, because sometimes, quite naturally, they're going to be responding to the the imaginary world that I think that people believe uh, exists, Mm. if you know what I mean. Whereas we're trying to, well, see, I I checked myself there because I I saw myself going down another little pretentious avenue and I thought, oh, God, I can't bear it. No, but that's the great thing. (laughs) You could have cut it out. (laughs) But that's the thing. Right, she was pretentious. No, but we can cut anything out. (laughs) Um, I do love it when you laugh so <laughs> because you've got such a beautiful soft tone and all of a sudden this big foghorn of a laugh comes out. It's brilliant. Oh my golly. Yeah, well it's yeah, it's just constantly um weird what we do, isn't it? Actually. Yeah. But also it can be incredibly ordinary too and and I just And it can be mundane. Yeah. And it can be dull. Yeah. But then the next day it can be incredibly exciting. Yeah. And fulfilling. Why did you do it, Craig? Stop doing Sorry. this, Thompson. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm thinking what what hole did you go through down the burrow? <laughs> oh, too 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 dark for this podcast. Um, do you think it was inevitable for you that you were gonna be doing this profession considering well, considering your mum and dad, I suppose. Maybe, I don't know. You know, if they'd been bakers or at a, at a calf or something. No, because I really enjoy being in a kitchen and and I think when I'm... I'm much more comfortable below stairs, if you know what I mean. So I might have been... That might have been my journey because that feels like a big element in me. mm the way it turned out, I guess, what your mum and dad do isn't extraordinary, is it? It's what your mum and dad do. Yeah, exactly. So you, 
you you merge into a world, and ours was very much the theatre when I was little. Mm. Were you taken to the theatre a lot as a child? Um, I mean, yes. Not a massive amount, I have to say, come to think of it, but, you know, always went to, obviously went to all the things my dad directed and he was like, you know, he was he started off as an actor and all I can remember of him as an actor was him running away in Dixon of Doc Green right. and he was a baddie and he couldn't get over the wall and, you know, the cul-de-sac, the classic cul-de-sac. And, um, you know, I was really upset. Um, anyway, that's all I remember of him as an actor except brilliant old pictures that we've got at home of him doing all manner of things. Um... And then he um, he went into directing and it was rather brilliant. And um, I remember, you know, being a small person in the auditorium watching him and I loved those buildings. I loved... I just loved those buildings and theatres and I loved being in my mum's dressing room backstage and listening on the tannoy and tidying up her place because she was very messy. <laughs> and, um, you know, all of that was felt quite homey. And also the norm, because as you said, it was just, at that time, it was just what your mum was doing. Yeah. She was going to work. Yeah, going to work. And, you know, I remember, you know, she'd come home late and you could hear her little beetle futtering down the road. Um... And, yeah, exactly, like, that's just what they did. Um, but I think I was painfully shy little person. Um, so the idea of, you know... No, I didn't think like that. There was no logic. There's not always logic, is there? No, and, not, and well, there isn't. And sometimes nor there should be. No. No, nor there should be, nor should there be. Love it, love it. <laughs> I'd say we'd cut that out, but I'm not going to cut that out because that's just <laughs> the way it mistakes goes. Mistakes are the best. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so I can't remember. I think I went to my first drama group, I think because my big sister went to this drama group. It was in a lady's kitchen called Sheila. But I went to a different group to M. Was this in, where was this, in North London? Yeah, in North yeah. London. Was it something you wanted to do, or do you think...? I think... <sighs> Were you influenced? Was no, all, I, I think it definitely influenced? was something that felt like, ooh, I'm trying to think of the colonel. I just felt comfy around the oddness, I suppose, or the what felt like a. Not quite sure. I remember stopping at this big hedge, and then, oh, I feel a bore. I know I've told this story before, but I was trying to. I was very shy, and I was liking this drama group in this kitchen, and. Um, 
but I couldn't get, you know, there was a membrane of shyness that I couldn't break through. And I remember giving myself this kind of holistic talk by this hedge. I was in this really, um, this velour tank top, brown stripes, and I was 11. And I remember giving myself, because I was read, I wasn't a great reader, but I was reading this these books. I think this character was called Bobby Brewster, and he had people in him that he talked to that ran all his body inside. So basically homeopathy yeah. <laughs> to a degree. Yeah. And also my dad used to talk to Fred when you cried because he was watering the irises in your eyes. So I had this in my system and I was talking to everyone inside and going, listen, you're really enjoying this, but you're not... Something's stopping you from engaging. You need to kind of work, you know, work at that and try and sort of perforate this membrane that's holding you in too tight. And it really helped. And I remember this breakthrough feeling of kind of being able to join in and that I would get up and I would join in because I was desperate to join in. And, you know, then as far as I can remember after that, I went to so many drama groups I, I wandered in to have a stock school once because I saw a sign on the fence and it said trouble. And they, after about six months, they discovered I wasn't at the school <laughs> and I was meant to be at the school. And I went to one on a Saturday called Sydney Webb and then that became the old Vic Youth Theatre. And, and you know, we were up in... The, I mean, and then I used to go on Youth Theatre Association things or British Theatre Association things in the summer time. And I guess I just belonged. I wasn't a schooly person at all. right. So academic was kind of to one side. Completely. I was literally so vague, so out of the window, la, in my head. Do you um, think that is um, part and parcel with the shyness that comes in with that? I don't know. Is it very much an internal world? I was... I didn't... I was on my own quite a lot. This sounds tragic. <laughs> <laughs> I was in the toilet a lot at school, just sitting there thinking, this is hellish. And it's all girls, which I found really awful. Um, probably and intimidating. Oh, golly. A big pack of girls, very intimidating. So intimidating. To so many people. Oh, so intimidating. Great. And to girls, you know, as well, it's, I was like, oof. Yeah. And I tried to fit. And then the trouble was, when I was 15, I did a, a, a telly program called A Traveller in Time and uh, was away for quite a while and I right. kissed a man called Simon Gibbs Kent who's dead now I think it was the deadly drugs that done him right. um, but he was you know he had kind of blobbly blonde hair and cheekbones and I got to kiss him in A Traveller in Time and so when I got back to school not only had I been off school for longer than everyone else in the summer but I'd kissed Simon Gibbs Kent so that was terrible I was like oh so I felt them, and, and the friend, the one kind of girl who I sort of felt like we had some kind of kinship, had kind of gone off into this other group. It was very groupy, cliquey yeah. girl thing. It always is, isn't it? Can't bear it. Yeah. School's so hard for so many so people. Fuck, so. I was like, oof. I mean, I loved Mr. Lister, who did Latin, but I couldn't do Latin. I just sort of made things up. Um... So school was awkward. And then in my final last year, I didn't even do... I didn't stay for A-levels because in those days, you could leave at 16, which right. is what I did. Um, With but, the plan being what? Well, I went to do... I think 
Mum and Dad were slightly like, oh, OK. But they were very kind, I think, and they booked me onto a two-week cookery course, <laughs> um, which was full of these really posh girls and one American man. And I went on my own and they'd all gone in pairs. Where was this, in London? Yeah, it was in Notting Hill. Right, OK. That was very odd. Why? Well, I'd left... I'd walked out of school. I didn't say good... I don't think I said really goodbye to anybody. It sounds terrible, doesn't it? I went home and Mum had made a lovely meal and but the two things I remember that she got that I really liked best was white stilton and she made a gooseberry fool. Right. But and this sounds like a terrible fucking clunky na- name drop thing, but it just so happened my dad was directing a Peter Nichols play at the time. I didn't know who he was. There just happened to be this guy at the lunch table as well. Yeah. Because it was early, it wasn't dinner. It was like I walked out. I just walked out. I thought, I think that's it then. I'd done my last CSE or whatever it was, O-level. And, you know, I all these girls standing outside the exam halls and they're all sort of nervous and they've all worked really hard. And, and um, I mean, I had gone to Swiss Cottage Library and sort of made an effort to look and I'd really sort of tried to think with English and with art. I really tried because I loved those two best. And, um, Are you good at art? Are you good at drawing or anything? I'm not... I do love it, Craig. I'm, I do love it, but I wouldn't say... I wouldn't say, oh... Well, no, you don't have to be good at art. No, art is I was, art, is I was about to say that. You don't have to be. <laughs> I could feel it off you. <laughs> but the, no, but the fact that you said that you love it... Do you want some more tea? I'm pouring some more green oh, yeah. tea. Because look at me tea. with my green tea. The so fact up. that you said... You love it and you said it. Yeah. With such passion. Yeah. And then there was the negative, but I'm not very good at it. But I love it. But you, ha- you don't have to be great at something like that to love it so much. Art's just something everybody should kind of just do, isn't yeah. it? And I, you know, all up my stairs. In whatever form. Exactly, in whatever form. And at school, you know, more drama. I mean, we only... Camden was meant to be in sort of artistic kind of environment, but... I only did one play there. It was The Lark by Jean and Louis, and uh, and I was uh, my happiest ever because I was connecting with what made sense to me, and that's what breaks my heart about a whole big chunk of the whole education system. And don't start me on this, especially if I've had a gin, because I luckily we're on the green tea. This luckily, <laughs> we're on the green tea. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but we are in Soho, so, so gin is never far away. <laughs> we, we've established that. <laughs> um, but uh, what was I saying, Craig? I'm just blaring on. Sorry. We were talking about the cookery course and leaving, and that your mum and dad had put you on the two-week cookery course. I think just to soften the blow of leaving. Well, and then I turned up and this man was there. I was thinking, what's this man doing? At lunchtime, yes. At lunchtime. And that felt funny. Then I did this cookery course and I remember mum was away working and I was very... I felt awkward in the space with all these posh girls, but uh, I suppose I was seen as a posh girl. It's all relative, isn't it? And I, But I always remember getting the bus home with my basket and I was really happy because I'd always take what we'd made home and my dad 
was a really shit cook, you know. Right. I only ever made the Yorkshire puddings, you know, a classic, classic. Hey, don't knock the art. <laughs> <laughs> don't knock the art of making a good Yorkshire pudding. No, actually, no, I won't because I'm really rubbish. Because what really upsets me sometimes, if I go around the supermarket and I do see someone put a big bag of frozen Yorkshire puddings the Bessie, in the trolley. Queen Bessie or whatever she's called. You're dead to me. Yeah. You're dead to me. <laughs> Don't come round my place knocking up a Sunday roast with your frozen Yorkshire puddings and your frozen roast potatoes. No. Not, not on my watch, no. I love it. So, I love it. I know where you're coming I'm, from. I, I don't say your dad was a shit cook if he no. could knock up a good Yorkshire pudding. You're right. I feel bad now. <laughs> Sorry, Dad. Sorry. I'm Sorry. <laughs> um, I'm not cutting that out. Anyway, <laughs> I know what to bring to your house when it's, I'm invited. There you go. <laughs> a bulk box. Or what not to bring so you won't get through the door. Um, I'm, I'm the ironic gifts. Um, yeah, so I was very happy taking this food home to my dad. I felt very glad about that. And then I... Then I ended up going up to Manchester Royal Exchange to do the schoolmistress by Arthur Wing Panero. And how old were you at this point? 16. So I just did, left you, school. So you're going to do a professional production at yes. 16? Yeah, I know. And when I think of it, Greg, honestly, I mean, I think as a mum, you know, imagining my sons now, even, yeah. going, I was I remember standing in the middle of, one of those squares with all the buses going, oh, I don't know which way Chalton Carmardi is, which is where my digs were, and I had to find them. But it was an amazing adventure, and Patricia Rutledge was the schoolmistress, and she was very formidable. Yeah. In fact, I was watching her on um, Keeping Up Appearances last night with my mum on one of those UK gold channels, and she really was brilliant in that show. Yeah, she was. Me and my mum were, like, just in awe of her. The, what, that character that she obviously the writing was fabulous, but but she was, you know, she was scary. Um, she gave us all shower caps for the first night. I remember. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's weird, that's, isn't it? Talk about ironic gifts. That's brilliant. I love it. <laughs> um, and you know, I had digs and oh god, digs and oh. But still quite young at sixteen uh, yeah. to be. Going to a new big city. I remember I had my 17th birthday presents. My dad brought them up and I've still got the sewing box. It's made out of pewter, bash pewter. I keep my buttons in it. And uh, I remember really vividly, one of our first digs was on this road and it was called Something Lane. And so I was quite looking forward to going into it because I thought it would be a lovely little lane. It was a fucking dual carriageway kind of road, right. you know, called a lane. <laughs> and the lady who ran this place... I had a room in, um, was um, quite formidable as well, funny enough. Um, and But uh, it was just bed and breakfast and my, it was absolutely freezing. She never turned on the heating, I don't think. And the guy who played Brian in Coronation Street, who was married to Gail. Yeah. Who I saw a clip of the other day too, weirdly, because I was watching a celebration of Sue Nichols, who is uh, wonderful in... Coronation Street, and I worked with her when I did it a couple of years ago, and I just, oh, what a woman. Anyway, blah, there was clips, and there was this guy, Brian, who used to be married to Gail, and he used to sit in the sitting room with his girlfriend, who was a ballerina, 
very, very pretty and watching the telly and it was just bizarre. And But I used to come in at night after the show and help myself to cornflakes because I hadn't got my head around the bed and breakfast thing. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you don't really do that. You know, you don't help yourself to the breakfast in the evening. <laughs> but for some reason, <laughs> um, I can't remember this woman's name, the man, her husband, he was always sat by the fire and he, they were kind and I think they sort of, they never said anything like, actually, you're not meant to scoff all the cornflakes after work um but anyway i moved on from there and found another place and that was funny she used to leave like you know old theatrical landladies she used to leave um rice pudding on the stair for me um which she didn't really like but i, I know, never but, told her that i know but it's the thought <laughs> it's it? the thought how lovely is that how lovely is that i bet they wouldn't do that now no um and Yes, that's where I did my first theatre thing. And Do yeah. you think doing more and more drama, especially when you were younger, even though you were shy, and the feeling that it gave you, did it make you feel more comfortable within your own skin? Yes, yes. And that's another reason. I was I hedging guess. my bets there because I didn't know if I was right. <laughs> <laughs> but I had Big to tick. ask it. I had to ask it. Uh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. You know, I could... Oh, just... Um, definitely. And I couldn't boil that down in a pot. But, you know, it's just that... That's why, you know, with kids and play and play in life is so so important and at schools to undermine that for kids who any any of the kids you know and the academic ones you know don't compartmentalize us all off it you know it's 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 so important for the human animal to play and to continue to be playful and that's why I think drama for kids and for, you know, people who are healing and it's so, it's so, it's it's just such a huge vital piece of the puzzle of being human. But it's vital for the social skills as oh well. Oh my God, like you're doing great, the whole you're thinking, you know, the communicating thing, the talking, the... the Listening. The listening. Because they just bang on and they go, you've got to be good at maths. And I'm going, well, why do I have to be good at maths? You know, I mean... Because you're told to. Yeah. But it's not the case. I mean, with that small human in the corner over there, you know, I always say to him, look, don't... Get, I don't want him to get himself in a right old pickle about it. No. Because at the end of the day, nobody is good at everything. It's just, it's just not, it's, it's, I don't, it's an unachievable goal for mm. him and I would, would never want that to be drummed in to him. And I don't think it should be drummed in, drummed into children anyway, full stop. No, I can't bear it. I simply can't bear it. It's so subtractive and it's so, uh, yes, it's so subtractive and it's all about, I think it's all about economics, you know, ultimately. Yeah. It's what, what pays, not what 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 heals the heart, what what makes us human, what what widens our spirits, what what 
connects us, the connective sinew of being fucking human. And that's what all these, you know, drama and stories, even all, all of them, you know, the comedies, the tragedies, um, none of them are less, you know, they're all just making people... Those, what I loved about the theatre somehow sometimes was it felt like a place where you could go and no one would go... Oh, why are you crying or why are you laughing or why are you this? It was a, you know, this space that seemed to, to me to, to be release. this... Yeah, this yeah. collective in experience, you know, that is possible and um, and in, and so important. And the minute that gets marginalised, I think we become, you know, lesser and... And, um, and also as we grow, we all, we, we're always learning every day that life is really fucking hard yeah and i don't think this complicated math problem would help as much as <laughs> as much yeah, as well the, the, the social skills that we would learn with interaction and yes. communication and to listen and to help other people yes and also to come to terms with what's going on within yourself sometimes there's only questions that you can answer yeah but you need the skills because they the questions would come in to yourself. You've got no control over that. But yeah. if you've not got the skills to answer the questions and sort of cipher it out, then yes. the question's still rattling around in you. Yes, or to be made to feel that the answer isn't even important. Yeah, which because it, is. it is. Yes, exactly. Because otherwise it probably eat you up and you don't really know what to do. Yeah. So God, where have we gone now, Sophie? I know. I mean... This is the great. This is why I love it. This is why I love these things because we can just go anywhere. But the things like this are really important to talk about. Yeah, they really are. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, I yeah, I my my seeing my sons. You know, when you have children, then like you're saying about Harley, you know, you see, you know, you hear them come home and say, "Well, I can't," you know so-and-so said I can't do that or something and you think what is going on in this system yeah. what is going on you know um and I really struggled um and got really angry Arthur at times with the whole system because I suppose becoming a mum was the first time I'd really had to sort of slightly knuckle down to the system you know because having been brought up sort of uh, well, I was in the system then, wasn't I? But I managed yeah, to but, get out of it pretty young. <laughs> but you did grow up in a very... <clears> um, <throat> I, don't want, I don't want to say anarchic, because I don't know, but certainly artistic. You're mm. much more artistic than mm. someone from my background, mm. you know? So it was there already. Mm. Mm. That's true, yeah. Yeah, that's true, and my mum... Sometimes I don't think the artistic and the anarchic do go hand in hand because no, they just don't. That's true. Yes, because they weren't necessarily anarchic. They were an interesting mix. You know, my dad, um, English, working class, um, real, you know, probably quite a scally when he was younger and... Well, he was a scally. What was amazing Nothing about... wrong with being a scally, Nothing Thompson. wrong. Nothing at all. Yeah, you're <laughs> such a scally. <laughs> no, I mean, my we, we golly. We smell our own, we smell our own. <laughs> he, um, 
he was what I, I really feel about my dad. He had a great classness, classlessness. Um, you couldn't place him yeah. in that way, and I've always wanted that somehow to emulate that. I suppose it's a thing of not wanting to be pigeonholed as well, which is always, you know, none of us want. Um, but, yeah, he, he just managed to move about in all the sort of strata somehow of life um, in this... Would that, how would you describe it? Would that be in every man's sort of way? I don't know. But he had this quality that, you know, I mean, he, he died really young and um, uh, and when I was 20, just before I was 21, actually, and... Uh, I didn't realise it was that long ago. I mean, I didn't yeah. realise, you know... Yeah. I didn't realise he, he was that young. He was yeah. 52. yeah. I know. I know. And, you know, I suppose... It's kind of lovely because he, he he left. He did a you know he had an amazing body of work like Mama. Yeah. Um, and he did uh, a program called The Magic Roundabout, which for people of my generation and um, yeah, it was like a quite a big deal, yeah. you know. And I've done a, quite a few things where I've had to talk about that, and um. um uh, which has been lovely, uh, connecting through that beautiful way that he spoke. And does that mm. bring back lovely memories for you when you have to talk about that? Or is it just, is, can it be quite difficult? Or is it OK? Um, I have been known... <clears throat> I think because I was quite young... When he died, I think I, in his, um, it def it was a very defining thing for a long time, a very defining. Um, it took me, oh God, so ages to learn how to cope with it but also we've got to remember you're just becoming a young woman and you've got that to deal with and process yes that's really difficult yes it was it was it was devastating and i think because we were quite a tight force foursome in the sense of mum dad and me and my sister emma my father's death, I think, reflecting upon it now as you learn, as you sort of, you know, life in its funny, slightly cruel way, you know, makes you live it forward and understand it kind of backwards. Yeah. So you kind of go, oh, I see. I wish I'd had that tool in my shed at that time. Yeah. Because I wouldn't have let that devastation be quite so crippling. Um. I would, but you know, I, what, you can't, you just... <laughs> Sometimes you just 
for whatever happens, <clears throat> excuse me, in whatever point that any sort of trauma comes into your life, you don't have the tools sometimes to cope and to deal with them. And it is only looking back and then you go, oh, well, I wish I did. But you just don't, do you? Sometimes no. you just don't. Yes. So what, what can you do? You can't. Well, I suppose you've got to be kind to yourself. And then when you do get the tools, if you're lucky enough to get them, yeah. then you can do quite a lot of, I think, sort of almost like retrospective kind of emotional gardening. And also you can do, like, it can be quite fascinating, like archaeology. It's a sort of emotional archaeology. I've done that since my divorce as well, this kind of amazing... To me, not, you know, fucking, I'm sure really dull to a lot of people, especially a lot of my mates who hear me bang on. But emotional yeah, archaeology. But this archaeology. isn't about them, this is just about <laughs> you. So let's just, no disrespect, but fuck your mates for a minute, because this isn't about you. But, and I found that so fascinating and healing. I was about to say healing, yeah. Mm, because you go back, and, you know, as I say, I've done it with my divorce thingy, and and you go, oh, what was that? thing and some of the things you dig up from your emotional soil are such sort of fascinating little artifacts that you can learn so much for from now and also just some of them are just kind of beautiful things that you go oh you know um my husband didn't really like to play marbles so I put them all in my pocket but and that was fine and we played other things but now we don't have that, I can do that thing and I can yeah. take the marbles out again and all that stuff where the daisies start sort of growing through the cracks, as it were. And that was one of the most beautiful things my mum said to me. And she lost my dad the same age as I was when, like, divorce and all of that happened in my life. And, you know, it is like a little death, as it were. And and that was a very bonding thing for me and my mum because... um she was so great and poetic and in her state, her uh, spiritual state where she is at the moment, she she's always been lovely with words and written brilliant things. You know, I'm surrounded by brilliant writers in my family, but... Um, and actually, my ex-husband was a brilliant writer, but she, because her... Hairs in such a lovely muddle sometimes. Poetry kind of comes out, even when she's not trying to know oh, what I mean. Oh, I bet, yeah. And she says, a bit like my dad when he had his stroke, you know, say sort of kind of bizarre things. And, and like when someone doesn't know language very well, like my Chinese doctor, he sometimes say things that are so strange, but I kind of understand them better than <laughs> yeah. normal language. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I, don't I know exactly mean, what you I mean. I get you, I get you. Yeah. You know, because it's poetry and you kind of just get it through a feeling rather than the exact words, you know, whatever they, you know, because they're all just packets, aren't they, for us trying desperately to sort of get across what we feel. That's why brilliant writing is so, you know, wonderful. And that's why sometimes when, you know, if you recommend a a piece of poetry or a book to somebody that really speaks to you and you really get it and it... Oh, it, it mends something or it breaks something. It does something emotionally. You go, there you go, take that. And some people go, no. Tilt in the spot for me. Come get, <laughs> come get into it. Yeah. Get it. What? Yeah, yeah. But that's all right because 
you know, different things speak to different people because we're all individual at different times. And it's the sounding board, isn't it? And the prism of the of the light of that different character. And that's what, you know, again, the education system can't, you know, um, embrace uh, um, uh, fully because of the time and the space and the this and the that. I mean, if it was all broken down and started again, perhaps it could, you know, and we didn't have this terrible schism yeah. where some people have a choice, they call it a choice, it's not a choice, because um, only the people who have money have the choice, but uh, let's not go there, Craig. Pass the gin. We'll pass that. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just nip out and get a bowl. <laughs> so, how long were you in Manchester for? When you, we're just jumping back now. Oh, golly. You knew the exchange of Patricia Routledge. Patricia Routledge. So you were 16. Then I had my 17th birthday in the in the funny yeah. place on the motorway and I, you could see your breath in the room. It was. I used to have to get dressed to go to bed. Then I've, I stayed in various other places. I, then... I'm sure I've lived there at some point. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sounds so familiar. <laughs> and then, um, oh, and then I snogged people, you know, and that... Inevitably. Inevitably. And then I ended up with a boyfriend in a, a lovely shared house. And that, and that was an eye-opener to me. And there was, he was on the crew at the theatre, but he also was studying to, um, uh, sculpture when you need a foundry, you know, with um, uh, bra- bronze. Right. So you have a need a foundry, yeah. you know, really hot place. And um, there I was there. That was lovely. And there was lots of that arty people in the house. And I liked that. And then I came back to London and did various, you know, un- uh, waitressing. Um, was, I, being, was being an actor still the path that you were wanting to take at this point? Having started? Yeah. Which relatively young. Yes. Yes, it was. I felt that's who... That was my... That was the wall I could plug my little plug into and it sort of felt like, hmm, I think that works. Yeah. I think I can belong there in some way, shape or form. Um, And it's a place, obviously, where you were comfortable and you were with like-minded people. Yes, to a degree, yes. When you say to a degree? Well, I suppose... We're not... You know, you're bumping into all sorts, aren't you? That's the great thing. Very true. And all what I liked, I think, was the... Well, one of the things I liked was there was no way... You know, you'd be working with all different ages and... And also for every three people who you don't get on, not, sorry, not that you don't get on with, that you don't connect with. Yes. Then there's one or two people that you really do and it, and it makes all that disappear and you can just put your focus into that. Yes. It makes sense of it all somehow. You know, I love... And also backstage in theatres is always quite grubby, isn't it? People always surprise. Well, people who don't work in in this world, that you know, that 
often quite surprised when you come backstage and see how sort of strangely grubby and maverick it is back there. You know, it's not... And mouse-ridden. And mouse-ridden. <laughs> the little yeah. one, the ones that I've been to, you do yeah. lots more than me, but yeah. No, well, yeah, when I was at the National, I used to come out and play, you know, when I got my sandwiches out, they'd sort of hear the rustle of the, <laughs> the kitchen foil and they'd be out there dancing about, hunker and munker, I called them. Um, but yeah, I guess that sort of made sense and... And then I did a terrible... No, not terrible. I did a thing for the Inner London Education Authority, which is called Round Our Way, and I was doing presenting and standing outside. You were presenting? Sort of, yeah. I remember I was wearing this really horrible, bright pink sort of puffer jacket, and I stood outside a laundrette and said things like... This is a laundrette. This is where people come and do their laundry when they haven't got a machine at home. Let's go in and have a look. And me <laughs> and Dorian Healy, who weirdly is a wonderful actor and is married to my agent now, we presented that together and it was called Round Our Way and it was all about designing a community and how good it would be to have a swimming pool there and a, and a playground there and da-da-da-da-da. And that was interesting. And then I started to percolate, I think, and I thought, I think I need to be a student. Because I'd never done... I'd left school young. And what age were you now when you thought this? Uh, nearly 18. Right. 18, about. And I'd, okay. been to, I'd written loads of letters to... Pit Lockery and, and, and the bubble and all these theatres and, you know, you get... I wish I'd kept them all, all the letters you get back going, sorry, but no. <laughs> and you're, like, gutted. Um, um, but you begin... Oh, it's the be-all and end-all, and it really isn't. <laughs> <laughs> That's the beginning of your philosophical journey of sort of acceptance that a lot of the time that, you know, you're not going to get the job. But I do wish I had those letters. Golly. Um, and so I, I decided in my, my, my little head that I should try and get into a drama school that wasn't in London. Because obviously I lived pretty near Central, being yeah. a North London girl. And obviously I knew all about Raja and that was meant to be creme de la creme. But I thought, if I'm in London, I thought to myself, I won't... I'll, I might run home and when I just should not. And I think I need to get out and not do that. It's a very brave thing mm. to come to terms with. Is it? Well, I think so, because you're going, <clears throat> well, if I stay in London, I've got a plan B. I can, I can just get out mm. and I can get home. Whereas mm. if I lock myself away somewhere where I can't run away. Mm. I think that's pretty brave, yeah. Well, I don't know about that, but I thought Bristol. I plumped on that because my mum and dad got married there. Oh, did they? Yeah. They were doing him in Summer's Night's Dream, which is my favourite Shakespeare. And uh, mum was playing Titania and dad was playing Puck when they got married. The hairy fairy, they called him. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, I thought, I'll try for there. And you had to go up and do a weekend. 
Did you do that, Craig? No. Was it like a weekend like, of auditioning? Yeah, you had to do an initial audition in London, which yeah. I got through. Yeah. Sing a song, modern. I sang one meatball. <laughs> and I did a, a terrible version of that speech of Queen Anne where she goes, some, the heinous deed or something. Is that Richard the Second or the Third? Right. I can't remember. And then... Um, I can't remember what my modern was. I know. I think it was a piece from a play. No, I'm lying, because I haven't met him yet. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, oh, there's bloke I went out with. <laughs> I wrote a play. But no, I haven't met him yet, so I'm completely making that up. Um, <laughs> what was it? Anyway, blah, blah, I did a modern. That was what was required, wasn't it? And modern, like, yeah, modern. Then classical. I went to do my weekend, and you stayed over in a. Sorry, oh, Sophie. yes. Oh no, he's no, fine. He's fine. Oh, sitting on the stairs. Sorry, we just had to oh, pause no, that. Yeah, My yeah. son just moved from his little corner onto the oh, stairs. I thought he was going out onto the streets of Soho to go and find us some gin. <laughs> <laughs> it's an option. Well, yeah. He's eight. I'm sure he'll be fine. <laughs> so you were there for that so weekend. Yes, you had to, and you had to do a work, workshops and. You know, Saturday, Sunday, I think it was, and do put into groups and improvise and do bits and bobs. I can't quite remember what you had to do, but various bits and bobs. And then wait to see... There's a wonderful guy who ran it then called Nat Brenner who actually had run it... Because my mum went to the school when it was something, you know, it was... You know... I'll do this with my boys, but it, she, she always described it as if it was literally in a fruit crate down by the docks, you know. Yeah. I went to Bristol when it was a fruit crate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, oh, well, but I do sort of the same now because I go, well, I went to Bristol when it was just these two houses knocked together, <laughs> like with nothing in it. And then you know what happens, like, years later, you get sent letters going, we're making some improvements for our facilities. And you think, facilities? <laughs> what sort of facilities do you need? And, you know, now they've got, like, facilities. And so you go, oh, anyway. So you Someone train. was saying to me, actually, not so long ago, speaking of that, oh, yeah, I went to Hampstead Theatre when it was just a shed. And, <laughs> and I, I had to go, no, I remember I was at drama school and it was just a shed. Well, did you go to Central? No, 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 but I was down the road and I remember going to see something at Hampstead and it was just... A, uh, yeah, it, it was, was a, like a port bin, wasn't it? It was like a blue and white sort of shed. And then they... Knocked it all well, down. Did you go to a London one then, Craig? I went to Mountain View. Did you? Yeah, but it's not Which about, was in... It's not about me, Sophie. So we'll cut that bit out. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not me. <laughs> <laughs> I've told you I'm learning at this conversation, Lark. I'm learning to... I know when yeah, people are doing you're it. you're <laughs> doing the driving, aren't you? <laughs> oh, my God. Were you um, feeling comfortable after that weekend? <clears throat> Did you think, oh, I yeah, really I'm, I'm felt, up for this? Yeah, I did. I did, actually. I remember feeling like, oh, I feel too shabby. And I'd really like this guy, Nat Brenner. And I think he was down in the fruit crate when my mum was there. Um, and uh, I felt he was a really good egg. He was, like, really old school. But I really liked him. And I just felt we had a bit of a connection. Anyway, I did get in, and that was lucky. And... Uh, you know, it's fucking hard and about, you know, so many people, as you know, yeah. apply and diddly do. But, I, you know, that was my first choice. And to get your first choice in life is quite rare, isn't it? Yeah, of course. So that was a bonus. Um, 
And I loved Bristol. I, you know, being there, I remember when I went there to try and find digs before I started, I was so happy. And it's a great city as well, isn't it? Even now, I mean, there's always something going. Do you ever go back to Bristol now? Yes, because my godchildren are there. Oh, are they? Yeah, one of my best mates. So I was just there the other weekend on the way back from Weston, in fact. Oh, really? Well, you're not far, are you? No. ideal to stop by. It was ideal. Um... So you did, how many years are we going to do there? Three? Three. Um, but in the second, at the end, pretty much towards the end of the second year, that's when my dad died. So the third year was like... <sighs> I can't imagine. That must have been a blur. I mean, yeah. But then... Because I had this thing called an equity card, because I'd done this telly when I was 15. Yeah. And you had to have 40 weeks on your card, and it's all very weird, and you can't describe it to people now. And it's like the glaze over anyway, and, and that's fine, because it's very boring. And it was a catch-22, wasn't it? <laughs> I'm you not had to glazing do... <laughs> over. <laughs> but you had to do 40 weeks, and you couldn't get a week's work if you didn't have the card, and you couldn't get the card if you hadn't done the weeks. And I don't know, someone... That was wrong, wasn't it? Do you know what I mean? That was really awkward. Anyway, for some reason, I managed to get my week. So in the holidays, I could do work down the theatre because, um, you know, I earn a bit of extra money being understudies, understudying. Um, I had to go on for Jenny Galloway in Beauty and the Beast. Is there a dragon in Beauty and the Beast? Depends what version. I know, she was a dragon. I'm sure there'll be a stick a dragon in anything nowadays, yeah. can't you? <laughs> Especially around Christmas time, stick a fucking dragon in it. It'd be grand. The kids well, will love it. I always tr- went on as Mickey the dragon, but I had to learn, like, all the girls' parts. So that was an interesting. And, um... But that was my first sort of freshening experience in that beautiful theatre. Um, uh, which, again, I think me and my mum have bought a chair... They send you things because they've just refurbished the whole thing. They have, yeah, it's lovely. I know, I went really? down there the other day. I'd... It's awkward in that when the audience... That bar place, though, like when I saw it without an audience, if there's an audience in there, I thought that's going to be a bit awkward, isn't it, with the people at the bar or eating their dinner. Anyway, that's just a spatial thing that is on my worry list. Don't take that off It's not worst. high up. No. <laughs> it's are not you, high up. Are, but... you a, are you a big warrior, Sophie? Um, I'm a big warrior. I think I got better. I think I've had to be more in control of it. Again, as a parent, yeah. you would blow a gasket, wouldn't you? Yeah. If you didn't kind of corral some of that shit but I don't think I know a lot of parents who are huge warriors but still on on the flip side would strike when they needed to but still in the back of their mind they would worry and certainly worry not just about their children but would worry about sometimes irrational day to day things that you shouldn't really need to worry about yes I try and I try and, I really try and be firm with myself. I mean, we've all got a myriad of voices, haven't we? There's a chorus of disapproval and mm-hmm. or whatever in our heads and it's just being firm. Some days, you know, you can really do it, can't you? And yeah. 
And some days uh, the bear bites you, doesn't it? And you go, fuck, I, I didn't quite manage today. You know, and that's when, when, when art again can come into play and help you. You know, like a song or a poem or a play or a... I'm not a great reader, I have to say, but I do try. I mean, obviously, I read for work and but I love... you've always that. said, you said... Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt there. You always said... <laughs> <laughs> I'm still, I'm still learning. <laughs> but even though you said right at the beginning of our conversation, when you were younger, you weren't a big reader. So that didn't really change. No, I read things with pictures. Right. But when the pictures went, I got, I got a bit... Scared. Scared. <laughs> well, I was like, that's a lot of words without punctuation, a visual punctuation. And I like a bit of visuals. Yeah. And just the words. With scripts, it's different because it feels like you're going to make something out of it. And what we, you know, I'm just an interpreter. And, and with a script, it's like I, what I feel like a... This is going to sound so pretentious again. Fucking hell, maybe cut it out. But <laughs> like a pot, pottery, you know, they get a bit of clay and they go, goody, or a, a whittler and they get, get a nice shaped bit of wood and they go, oh, God, I'm going to whittle that to my heart's content, you know. And when you get a good script, you go, oh, do you know that feeling? Yeah. And it's uh, sometimes quite rare. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, and you go, well, like, you know, and sometimes it's a bit of an awkward shape and you go, well, get my best whittling tools out. I can, you know, really try my damnedest. Um, but, but yeah, it's an active thing for me there. But a book, I'm like, oh, it's very still. Yeah. And I, it goes a bit still in there. I, I do understand where you're coming from because I didn't start reading till, till much later, much later than what I should or what I was told I should. Yeah. And that's what I kind of incorporated, What how you or how we would read a script. I would sort of do that with books. And now I just, all I want, is I took him on a holiday, um, just me and him to Greece. And all I wanted to do was sit down. And I had some books to read for work and for, for the podcast. And to get, to grab 20 minutes by myself was just beautiful. <laughs> this luxury that all, that's all I said, craved. But you said, Greg, you said they were for work and the podcast. So, well... I had to finish a book, I had to read a book twice for a certain person that I was having a conversation with. Yes. So I knew I had to do that. But I also had another book that I still haven't finished that I'm really enjoying, so I oh, would good. try and take my time. But to grab that time, it's all about time nowadays. You want to grab a bit of time for yourself, and I do find that quite difficult because as much as I love reading, I do find it really difficult, to, sometimes with concentration. Yeah, me too. I think... Yes, it is maybe a concentration thing yeah. with me. Yes. Well, I'm more, I more would easily... I would more easily go... I've got to go out in the garden and, you know, dig a bit or I'd more easily cut up a carrot or something than pick up a book in the day. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas I would come down sometimes and, you know, there'd be my mum and my dad and my sister all sitting there reading and I'd all the papers and everything, and I'd be like, oof, oof, da-da-da, da-da-da. <laughs> and I'd sort of pick up a magazine and have a look at the pictures. <laughs> you know, la, la, la. <laughs> so, yeah, words are wonderful, but, um, yeah, it's just in, I find my, my, my angle on literature is, 
I want it to, you know, I, I kind of want, I suppose my default setting is to get up and do it yeah. or to hear it. You know, love being, I used to love being read to and, and I love going to see it. I mean, you talk know, about a luxury. A that being read to is a, a beautiful oh, luxury. Oh, <laughs> and I miss that, you know, when the boys, you know, when that went away. Yeah. Because kids' books, oh, and because the, there's pictures. And also there's such magic. And such magic and not necessarily logic. And there's, yeah, yeah. So I, I guess it was a bit like moving from little school to big school. Yeah. You know, I was just suddenly, no, where's the macaroni that I can stick to paper? And, you know, where's the, where's the, where's the glue? Well, well, that is a, big a bit que- dry. That's a very big question, Thompson. <laughs> Where's, Where's the glue? glue? <laughs> That's one of my favourite things to do, though. Glue, funnily enough. I love to glue. I love to glue. Um, yeah. Sophie, have you ever thought, because you've had... Um, we, what we don't do on the podcast, really, is go into people's careers... Yes. ...in detail, because I've already discussed... It's not that interesting. No. This is much more interesting. <laughs> Have you ever ever thought or even considered stopping? Yes. On a frighteningly regular basis, it slightly frightens me when I do it because I go, where am I then? Who will I manage what is this to me now? And I've done it more as I get older because I found when I became a mum as well such a huge shift in yourself and the way you see the world. I just, you know, I ask, you know, ask more questions, I think, on behalf of it's not about you anymore, you know, just what you're thinking. It's yeah. about... And I thought, what, you know, what the dickens am I doing? Does this matter? And, um, yeah, do you know what, Craig? I, I actually sort of slightly surprises me how often I do it. And think, well, I could just go over there and do that and maybe that would be more helpful. Or, I mean, and, and I do, it does sort of slightly throw me when I do it because I go, well, well, what does that mean then? What does that mean if it, if I'm not connected to this world anymore? But the world has changed a lot. Yeah. And, and you have to sort of be vigilant, don't you, and go, well, sometimes I don't belong as much as perhaps I thought I did. You know, I, there's certain parts of it that really... I don't like or I don't respond to. So I I do find myself on a more regular basis and I care to admit even to myself sometimes being a bit bewildered with it and going, oh, gosh. Maybe it doesn't... Is that... Maybe it... I don't know. The idea that stopping is 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 a kind of scary one. Yeah. Because it's like so much a part of what I've my world since I was like. So I, I'm like, what if I didn't belong to that world? Would it would it matter to me anymore? You know. 
I don't know. Do you do you think those things? I think I think about those things all the time. Oh, do you? That makes me feel better. I think a lot of people do. Not just about this, but about everything. Yeah. And sometimes you can't answer the questions right now. No, and that's okay, isn't it? I think so. Yeah. It's all about going. Oh, that's okay. Sitting with it. Sitting with it for now. For now, yeah. Sophie Thompson, I think you're really lovely. Thank you so much for coming on my cry. I felt really quite emotional all the way I through. Oh God, I was I was in bits then at the end. I just like rose up. Sophie, thanks so much for coming on. Oh, thanks for having me. <laughs> And another episode is done. What did I tell you? Feeling a bit happier, a bit warmer, of course, because we all need a bit of Sophie Thompson in our lives. And I'm so chuffed that she came on. Um, she's such a lovely soul. As you heard at the beginning, uh, me and Sophie didn't really know each other. We worked together on a new comedy earlier this year. And you just meet people. Well, you know, you know what it's like. You meet people all the time. You want to click with them, and sometimes you just do. And I was really lucky that I got to meet Sophie Thompson and for her to come on the podcast. She's just a beautiful, beautiful soul. So massive thank you to Sophie, a massive thank you to you for listening. And that was episode 106. Let's get cracking with 107 before Christmas, shall we? And I'll meet you back on the socials on Monday. We'll find out who it is. And um, until then, you know where we are. We're on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. You can drop us an email if you want. It's twoshoppod at gmail.com. Send us a message on Twitter. Send us a little photo on Instagram. Give us a comment. Let us know what you're up to. And also, can you do us a little favour? Go and tell five of your friends about Two Shot Podcast. Tell them if they listen, they'll probably like it. We'll appreciate it. All right? Well... Until next week, please, please take care of yourself. I've been Craig Parkinson. He's been producer Griff. And this has been the Two Shot Podcast. You stay safe. The Two Shot Podcast is presented by me, Craig Parkinson, recorded and produced by Thomas Griffin for Splicing Block. Our music, our brilliant music, is courtesy of Then Thickens. Cheers. Cheers.